Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. This is episode number 60, and our guest is Tyler Wright, the Director of Amateur Scouting for the Detroit Red Wings. Tyler talks about the Red Wings' draft philosophy, what they're looking for in a player. He reviews some of the draft picks from 2017, looks towards the 2018 draft, talks about how they're scouring the globe for players, and uh, also gives a, a, a little bit of a uh, insight into the season that uh, last year's number one pick, ninth overall in the 2017 draft, uh, Michael Rasmussen has progressed in, whether or not he has a chance to make the Red Wings next season. So here he is, the Director of Amateur Scouting, Part 1, with Tyler Wright. Thanks for having me, Art, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you and talk to Red Wing Nation here, and and uh, excited for this upcoming draft. Well, let's start off, Tyler, with this. I last time I actually physically saw you was at the Prospects Tournament, and you were about to leave and go someplace else. And I would like you to give an idea to the fan base because we've been trying to do this podcast for months now, but you have been on the go like, I don't know if you get frequent fire miles or points. I don't understand how that stuff works, but it looks like when you do have a little bit of downtime, maybe you'll just want to stay home. But secondly, you could probably go anywhere you want on the world because you are always on the go. Yeah, that's that's a big dilemma in my household here because once you know the draft concludes and try to get a little bit of family time, the family wants to go away, and uh, the last thing I want to see is an airplane or a hotel room. So it's a little bit of a catch twenty two that's got to juggle with the family. But um, to be honest with you, Art, uh, the only way that you can remotely try to get this thing done right, uh, and I'm talking about the draft, is You've got to put the time and the effort, and um, it's not a single viewing. It's uh, you're digging behind the scenes, and and you're at the mercy of, of where the players are, and and that's the beauty about the draft is every year that's constantly changing as far as uh, whether it's heavy in Europe or Russia or Western Canada or Ontario or the U.S. programs for that matter. Um, so the demographics of it uh, they continue to change, but. It's been a it's been a good long hard year for us. So obviously, uh, we've got four picks in the top thirty six that we're real excited about. Um, we've got six picks in the top ninety six or ninety seven for that matter, um, and eleven picks going into the draft. So, I mean, you everyone wants to put an emphasis a little bit on on the high picks, which which are great, um, but we're really trying to stress throughout the organization and. You know, to our staff that that we that we've got to we got to hit in the later round. When you look at uh, what has transpired over the course of this uh, of the course of this season, you you know you've scoured the globe for uh, uh, for prospects. Uh, the thing that I'm hearing about this draft coming up, the 2018 draft, which is the 23rd and 24th of June in Dallas. Uh, in the beginning, when I first started looking at this, and I've been looking at it all year, uh, everybody was saying that this is one of the deepest drafts in the history. Now that I'm starting to, re- to read things about it, people are kind of walking back a little bit, saying the top four for sure, maybe the top five, these guys could really make the NHL next year. 
Uh, six through ten, it's a lot of talent, but there's a bit of a drop-off. And then uh, uh, when you go through 11 through 20, they're very, very good players. It might need some seasoning. And then after 20, you're looking at guys that might be two or three years away. Is that a fair assessment, or is this draft, as originally portrayed, is really, really deep, and there's players there's all over every round you can probably find maybe, a, a, if not a, a bona fide NHL or maybe a, 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 a diamond in the rough? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think I think I agree with all of it, really. To be honest, um, I think we as an industry, and I, I'm just talking about hockey people in general. Um, we try to forecast, you know, what's going to kind of play out, how it's going to play out, and, the, and I think the beauty of, of of the draft is that you know you're you're dealing with 18 year old kids and 17 year old kids that. Some are maturing at different rates, and some mentally are more mature, and some are physically more mature. Um, some some click right away. Some take a little bit of time. Uh, so to say that it's a deep draft, I do I do believe it's it's a deep draft. I think if you just look back at last year, there was a lot of good players that were taken. And, but realistically, we went into the draft, and there there was basically some concern. Nobody really knew who was going to go one. Um, I think there was a general consensus, but there was still some speculation out. Um, you know, obviously with this year, with Rasmus Dahlin um, being, you know, kind of separating themselves, uh, you know, from, from the rest of the group and, you know, playing in the World Junior Championships, going and playing in the Olympics, playing in the Swedish Elite League, um, you know, he kind of looks as one of those generational franchise players. Um, now, with that said, those other guys from 2 to 20, um, really good depth. And I think it, when people talk about depth, they, uh, depth in different positions, depth in, in different attributes as maybe being good in puck moving, smaller defensemen, uh, maybe some more bigger, powerful scoring wingers, maybe some just average-sized, pure scoring centermen um, or wingers for that matter. So. When, when you're going to get into the two, threes, and fours, and fives, like the industry has kind of made a little bit of separation, you know, we just finished our meetings. We had five complete days in Detroit where we brought everybody in, and we meet for, you know, eight to nine hours a day, and we try to dissect it as much as we can and gather as much information and go over um, all our findings. And, and, you know, we still got six weeks out from the draft, so we're we're continuing to work. I just got back from the RBC Cup, which is the the, tier, uh, the Junior A Challenge uh, or Championship here in Canada yesterday. So um, I think the difficulties to have put a little bit more insight in for us is, you know, we're trying to evaluate maybe a, a kid playing high school hockey in Minnesota to a kid playing in the KHL to a kid playing in, in junior in Europe. Uh, keep playing in the Swedish Elite League, for that matter, or, you know, Tier 2, uh, Junior A in Canada, you get different kids at different levels against different competition, um, and then you gotta you got to try to pick the best one in between, but you're really trying to draft around your philosophy on, on the way that we want the Detroit Red Wings to look, um, and I think if the exciting thing for us, um, I mean, you, you look at a 
you know, some of the youth that has come into the organization and starting with Larkin and, um, you know, Matt has taken a step this year, scoring 24, 25 goals in the, at the NHL level with, you know, Athosini who's made his way in and, and Bertuzzi the last half of the year is, is when we, we made the move with Thomas Tatar. He kind of walked in and, and stepped in and took that spot. Svechnikov came up. Terjan got a little bit of a taste. Um, you know, you, you look at what Philip Peronik did in the American Hockey League and Dennis Chalowski, we moved into signed him and put him into the Western Hockey League in the year that he had, and obviously with Rasmussen. And so we, we've, we've got a really good group of young kids coming, but at the same, chance, same time, we want to be optimistic, but we want to be cautious on the fact that they're still kids. We want to develop them the right way. I think our development people have done an excellent job of being on top of these kids and and. Uh, and trying, and I'm leaving. I'm leaving guys out there. You know, Caden Falter was a kid that came in from from Hamilton. Uh, we brought him in at training camp and development camp. We signed him. Uh, he went back to Hamilton. They just won the Ontario Junior League. They're going to be going to the Memorial Cup next week. Different pieces. You know, Philip Larson was goaltender of the year in the USHL. So we're, we're excited about some of these pieces, but we want to still continue to bring them on, and then we want to take these kids from this draft. And we're trying to mesh. Uh, obviously, we've got holes in the organization that we want to fill. You're not going to fill them all in one draft. But um, the way that we're trying to build this team and, and the pool of prospects and make good, healthy competition for, for all the spots, whether it's you know on the back end, whether it's in net or it's up front through the middle and, and wings, um, and really try to exploit what our necessities are. And, um it's, it's a great big puzzle that we have on kind of like our kitchen room, dining <laughs> table, and, and, and we're trying to put those pieces in. And some of those pieces are going to they're gonna work, and some of them aren't. Um, that's just the nature of it. But for the philosophy that we're drafting, um, we, we want to make sure that, you know, we're, we're taking players that fit the way that we want this team to work. And, and at, at the end of the day, you're just become a number as far as when you got picked. Uh, if you're a first-round pick, you might do a couple little more interviews. You might do a little bit a little bit more photo shoots and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, when you get into development camp and the, and the season progresses, um, you mean, if you're a fifth-round pick, it doesn't matter. We're, we're trying to give you every resource possible to become the best NHL player. And, and, and not only that, the best Red Wing possible. And help us get back to where we need to be. And, and, and that's playing right now that's getting into the postseason and and uh not for one year for for years to come well i, I want to uh since you've you've talked about some of the guys in the system let's go there first before we look at the draft because and i won't ask you about every one but i know last year when we when we spoke in chicago after the draft and we went through uh uh all 11 picks you said that last year the philosophy of the red wings was to uh, and I'll use a Ken Holland term, get trees in the organization, get bigger. Uh, and you might have sacrificed, they all have high hockey IQ, and they were all, almost a majority of them, if they weren't wearing the C for their teams, they were wearing at least an A, that they had leadership qualities, and I think virtually everybody except for two guys, so that would be nine out of the 11, were over six feet. Uh, and then you said next year's draft, meaning the one that's coming up now, were really going to look for 
high-end skilled players who always, and this is a Red Wing tradition as we all know, have a high hockey IQ. Um, I know you just came off the, uh, off the meetings. Is, is that still the same philosophy that this year's draft, you're really going to hone in on guys that are, for lack of a better term, offensive-minded, very skilled players? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think it's a good balance. Obviously, we want to try to generate more offense. Um, um, now, I mean, as you get as you get further into the draft, and you get later into the you know into the third and the fourth and the fifth and sixth round, um, you know, players obviously start having deficiencies, and and that's why that they're still there. Now, they're still good players that become really good players that go late. Um, you know, it's, you know, Jake Gensel goes in the fourth round. It's a Chris Letang goes in the third round. It's, you know, a Jesper Bratt that goes in the fifth. And Victor Arvidsson, who went through the draft two years and, you know, drafted then in the fourth round by Nashville. And they go on to have, you know, looks like to have, you know, obviously very, very successful careers. We want to exploit kind of, you know, what, more importantly, what do they do good? And how can we help them work on their deficiencies, whether we overlook size a little bit, um, whether we, you know, we overlook a little bit of physical play or, you know, I mean, they're not perfect players right now, and we have to understand that. Um, but if we, if we get, you know, if you draft a kid that's maybe not the most physical guy, but you've got some pieces around them that are physical, then they just become more physical because of what they're surrounded by. And, and I think with the way that you look at, you know, size, did we want size last year? Yeah, size was a little bit of a factor for sure. But at the end of the day, I mean, you look at Michael Rasmussen, and we, we had talked about this off the air before. Um, you know, I mean, he's a six foot six body that, you I mean, I think he had 14 goals in 17 games or something like that in the playoffs. 35 points, like, it's not just big. You know, Gustav Lidstrom's a big six foot two right-handed defenseman that, I mean, they're not just big, they, they've got a skill set with them, they can think the game, and we just, we want to kind of round out their games uh, with maturity, and, you know, at the end of the day, we, you, you got eight, I mean, you got 12 forwards, you got six defensemen, you got two goaltenders. Um, not everybody's going to play, and not everybody will play, but if you're if you got, you know, some size, you, you look at how hard the playoffs are. And I know we talk about, you know, certain teams. You know, you, you look at Winnipeg with Bufflin. You look at Boston with Chara. You look at, you look at, you know, Tampa Bay with, you know, Hedman. And, and they might be even on the smaller side of it, but they're highly skilled guy with, you know, good goaltending. And um, so they're... There's different mixes in different teams, and what a Red Wing is and what a Boston Bruin is or a Philadelphia Flyer, I think, are three different philosophies. Um, when we make the pick and make try to make them a Red Wing, they're, they're going to become the way that we want the team to look in, you know, three to four years. When uh, I wanted to uh, uh, go and, and look, since, you know, I, I know I'm jumping around here, but uh, let's, uh, you, you mentioned Michael Rasmussen. Uh, you know, people that listen to this podcast know, and he's been a guest on the Red and White Authority. I really like him. He's 
you know, mature beyond his years for sure. His hand-eye coordination is sensational. Uh, not only do I like him as a, uh, uh, certainly as a hockey player, but also as a person. And I'm not trying to uh, make you say yes or no, but it, it, it appears that the Red Wing organization looks at the year he had. He had 24 points in eight playoff games. He led his team in plus-minus at plus-17. Power play goals, uh, 17. And this is the Tri-City Americans in the Western League. Um, you know, he scored four goals in five preseason games for the Wings last year. Uh, I thought that the original plan for him was to uh, have him play a few games and then go back to Tri-Cities where he was their captain. Uh, but he stayed the entire uh, preseason. I remember talking to him after the, uh, the last preseason game in Detroit against Toronto. And you could tell that he was pleased and he was a little bit disappointed that he, was, he knew he was going to go back to Tri-Cities. But he was so enthused by what he was able to do in the preseason that, you know, I think deep down he was wishing that he could have made the team last year, but chances are, if he continues to progress, I would imagine that the Red Wings have at least penciled him into the lineup next year with the big team. Well, I think, Art, I mean, I think anybody, I mean, anyone prospects can, can play. You I mean, you basically give them a spot and say, well, play. Uh, are you doing them a disservice? Um, I mean, that's to be determined. And on the other side of it, people say, well, how do you not know if you don't give them an opportunity? It's such right. a fine line, right? And um, I think the encouraging thing for us was all those things that you had said. Um, you know, he played 14 playoff games. He had 16 goals and 17 assists in the playoffs. When it counted the most and when it mattered they were the seventh seed going in they had upset after upset he was the captain that was leading that team um all that stuff's exciting now the one thing that people don't really understand is he had an injury last year that kind of you know he didn't play from february on with a scaphoid injury we tried to rehab it it was still bothering him uh he was trying to get to the world junior camp and he wanted to play in the world juniors that didn't come to fruition so we shut him down as as an organization and decided, let's get him healthy. He needs a big summer. We shut him down for six to eight weeks. He got surgery, got back healthy, and then obviously had the playoff year that he that he did. Um, so that's the exciting thing for us is that when he's finally got healthy, um, I mean, he, he really took off. And, and all those things as far as the character and the leadership and playing in those game sevens and, finding a way to win and being the go-to guy, whether you have success or not, you learn from your mistakes. You learn from going through some adversity. Um, he needs a bit of summer. Uh, I don't think we as a staff or, or as an organization are going to say, here it is, Michael, here's number such and such, off you go. He's got to come in. He's got to earn it. Now he's done a, he's done a great job of, of progressing on that. He needs, he needs to have a, a good summer in the weight room. He needs to come in in top shape. And he's got to come in and prove that he's ready and willing to take somebody's job. And um, I think he's on that step. Whether he does it, I think that'll be up to him. I think we'll give him every opportunity to do it. But um, he still has to go out there and do it. And once you do it, I try to tell these kids all the time that, you know, your, your NHL career is very, very plain. It's very simple. Um, and I lived it. You go in, you take somebody's job, um, which is not easy because that guy's a, you know, he's got a family. He's, he, you know, he's got kids in school. He's, 
He's not giving that job up. And however long you can prolong that stretch in between until somebody else comes in and takes your job, that's your career in a nutshell. So complacency and, and you know, sitting back and saying, I've made it, it ain't going to work in this hockey league. And it's not definitely going to work for our organization. So when we look back and, and you look and we talk about character, um, it's a massive, massive thing for us. We want guys that are hockey players that are willing to breathe and live and die hockey. And, you know, it's hard to play 82 games and travel across the country and, and, you know, balance your family life and come home. You know, you're on a West Coast trip and you come home. And everybody says, you know, it's, it's easy. It's not easy. And we want to make sure that, you know, the people that are putting on the winged wheel, that, you know, they're ready to commit to this. They're ready to, to get into the fight and the battle for for not just one year or two years, we, we want to start getting back to, you know, where we were at. And um, it caught up to us. We had a 25-year great run um, with a lot of success in between. And now we're we're trying to retool out two of that as fast as we can. And if you're going to be a part of it, hey, that's great. If you're going to sit on the fence and you're going to wait, then we're going to go by you. It, it's pretty simple. Tyler, I... This might be more of a question for Sean Horkoff, but I'm kind of curious. Will Rasmussen come to Detroit and work out, or will he stay at home in British Columbia? Have you decided that? Uh, uh, because I know that uh, uh, several prospects have told me over the years that uh, whether the Red Wings tell him or, or not, they like to come to Detroit and work out over the summer. Yeah, it's really up to the individual. Uh, you know what I mean? Horkoff has done a, I think he's done a tremendous job with, um, and Yuri Fisher did a tremendous job before that, but Hork has really implemented, uh, you know, a lot of off-ice, a lot of nutrition, a lot of resources where these kids have access to, um, gives them the opportunity. We can't make them come in. Uh, they have to come in on their own, obviously. Um, but if they're willing to do that, we'll definitely try to give them every resource possible. Um, at the end of the day, it's, it's an investment into your career. It's an investment in, into your life. And a lot of the time when, you know, and I go back to 1991, I got drafted and I signed my contract. Glenn Sather gave me an extra $10,000 and he said, go buy some weight equipment. Go buy, you know, <laughs> memberships here. And he goes, I'll give you the extra 10000 if you show me the receipts. And, and it's that investment that, you know, we're trying to install in our in our kids and and yeah, young men. I don't want to call them kids. They're they're all young men. They're polished. They're different than when I was playing or when Drapes was playing or or Malpe or Jeff Finley for that matter. The game has changed, and and we as an organization have to change and um, going forward. And and our future is our prospects, without a doubt. You have unless you. Unless you draft a top four defenseman, unless you draft a, a, a you know a top two centerman, unless you draft a, a scoring winger, we all know you, the price that it costs to to achieve or to to acquire these guys, and it's it's astronomical. So we know the importance of the draft. Um, we talked heavily on philosophy on the way that we want this hockey club to look, and. Now we've got options, and, and, and that's the biggest thing is we've got options going into this draft, whether it's trade up, whether it's trade back, whether it's, um, 
you know, trade next, you know, pick next year or acquire more for next year. We definitely have options, and and that's the exciting part for us because it's tough for a staff when when you have no second round pick and you're sitting there and God, a guy falls, you know, to your pick in the second and you don't have them, and whether or not they turn out to be a player or not, that you know, time will tell. But we do this you know, religiously every single day, try to dig as much as we can. And, you know, when you get 11 picks, if you can get four or five of these guys, you're looking, you're speeding up this process real, real, real quick. Now, when we make all 11 picks, we think that all 11 picks have a chance to make the National Hockey League. That's the philosophy and the mindset that we have going into the draft. There you have part one with uh, Tyler Wright. Some great insights there by Tyler. As you can tell that the uh, Red Wings are enthused and excited about the upcoming draft in 2018 and certainly are encouraged by some of the prospects that are already in their system. Uh, up next, we'll have uh, part two. So I hope you join us uh, for that here on the Red and White Authority. <laughs>